When you run an online business, your marketing metrics will tell you what in your business is profitable and where you're throwing money away. Yikes. That's pretty important, right? Luckily, I've put together the Ultimate Marketing Metrics Checklist, which is a free resource that will guide you through tracking and analyzing the most crucial metrics for your business. And let me tell you, I'm going to keep it simple but effective. From evergreen data and revenue generation to podcast metrics and social media growth, this cheat sheet will cover it all. It's the exact one my team and I use to track our metrics on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. Let me be honest here. This wasn't an overnight process win for me. It took me 10 years to build this comprehensive list and get it just right. But you, my friend, can start using it today, tailoring it to suit your business-specific needs, but not having to start from scratch like I did. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just getting started, this cheat sheet will help you make informed decisions as you grow your business and empower you to move forward confidently. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics to get your hands on the ultimate marketing metrics cheat sheet now. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics. You're listening to the online marketing made easy podcast episode number 42. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hey there, Amy Porterfield here, and welcome to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Now, this is my first episode of 2015, so I've got to say it. Happy New Year. I hope that you've jumped into the new year with tons of excitement and a lot of energy and you're working on some new projects because that's always the best way to start the new year. Now, as we move into the new year, my team and I have been busy behind the scenes working to develop a new approach to how I actually deliver these podcasts meaning what the podcast looks like, behind the scenes, efforts that go into it. We've really re-engineered the whole process. And the good thing is you're going to benefit immensely from these changes. So I'm excited to roll them out. So I've always struggled with finding the time to actually work on a weekly podcast. You've probably heard me talk about that before. I think in episode 41, which actually happens to be my most popular episode, I talked about the lessons I learned in 2014 and the big mistakes I made and what I'm taking with me into the new year. And I think I talked about finding the time to actually create the content. So that's episode 41 if you want to check it out. But in that episode, I might have mentioned that I have decided to hire a content development manager. And this new role has been in place for about a month now, and it's going really well. So I've hired someone to actually help me with the research and the outlining of each episode because I put a lot of time and effort into each episode because in my world, I look at it as a mini training. Each episode is actually a mini training to give you exactly what you need to take action on your online business. So it's really important to me that the content's good. And that's why I hired someone to help me because often my launches and my new program creations and speaking gigs and travel and all that good stuff was getting in the way of me producing a weekly show. So my goal here is to not give up, really make this happen. And I've taken some big steps and invested some actual money into this as well to make it even better. So you should be seeing 
some benefits of that rolling out very soon. So you want a little hint as to what's to come in the episodes? We've actually started working on shows way in advance, which has always been my goal. So in the next few episodes, I'm interviewing some A-lister marketers. So you'll hear from them. But then after those interviews, you'll hear some of my solo episodes. And some of those solo episodes include how to tell if your online marketing strategy is working for you and how to fix it if it's not, how to create email subject lines that skyrocket your open rates, and how to repurpose your content so you're not constantly in creation mode. Good stuff, right? Now, in addition to the new hire, I also decided, this is a big one for me, to include a free, valuable download with every single episode. So this is an experiment. It might not be something that I'll continue throughout the whole year. I want to test it out. And that's what's great about being an entrepreneur and having an online business. It's really easy to test out new opportunities. And if they don't work well, you can change direction. So don't be afraid to try a few things that are brand new to you this year just to see how they might work. I've always wanted to include another layer to the episode, and I think that this is a great way to do it. So let me give you an example. One topic I'm going to be talking about in today's episode is understanding the opportunities and limitations of your email service provider. So this is a huge key to supporting your audience, but also just expanding your business because when you understand what your email service provider can do for you, you start to think of new ideas to create marketing funnels and new opportunities for your audience. So I've created an opportunities and limitations guide, or I guess we could call it a cheat sheet of some of the most popular email service providers, including AWeber, Infusionsoft, Entreport, and a few others as well. So if you want to check it out, you can get it for free at amyporterfield.com forward slash 42 download. So the number 42 download, or you can text me to get it as well. Yep. You heard me right. We've added a new text feature to the show. Cool, right? So if you want to check that out, you can text 42 download, just the number 42 in the word download, all one word, 42 download to 38470. So text 42 download to 38470. And I'll make sure that this cheat sheet gets to you pronto. So if you're thinking about changing email service providers or you want to see what some of them can do, maybe compared to the one you're using now, definitely go check out this cheat sheet. Oh, and there's one more change I've made to the podcast, and that is that my podcasts are now brought to you by lead pages. If you've ever listened to any of my other podcasts, you probably already know I am a huge fan of lead pages, but instead of just telling you why they're so great and doing an ad in that way. I decided to create a free mini training so you can actually experience how I use lead pages to build up my email list. So if you want to come behind the scenes with me and see which three landing pages have skyrocketed my email list and watch me set up one of my favorite lead pages in less than 10 minutes, you can go to amyporterfield.com forward slash new leads to download my free mini training video. I'm really excited about this. It's brand new. So definitely go check it out. Okay, so now that we've gone over a bunch of housekeeping things and important changes that I wanted to make you aware of and actually get you excited about, we are going to jump into today's episode. Now in today's episode, I'm going to highlight three foundational strategies for growing your email list. I say foundational because once you implement these strategies, 
you're well on your way to creating smart marketing funnels that will not only put your list building efforts on warp speed, but will also allow you to see increased revenue from each email that you send out. Now, you likely already know that email marketing is an extremely important part of your online marketing efforts. In fact, you've probably heard me say it a million times that the energy of your business is directly tied to your email list. But don't just take it from me. I want to read you a few quotes from A-list marketers about their own email list. Listen to what Michael Hyatt had to say about his list, which is now well over 150,000. He says, I have literally built a million dollar business on the strength of my email list. 90% of my income comes from it. Even today, my email list is still my number one business priority and asset. That's serious stuff, right? This next one is from Douglas Carr writing on the Marketing Tech blog. Again, he also has a list of over 100,000. And he said, without a doubt, our email list is the best investment we've ever made. And I'm sure he's talking about investment of time, investment of energy, and investment of actual funds as well. I spend money on growing my email list. One of the biggest ways I invest in my list is with Facebook ads, which we'll talk about that in another episode. But definitely when you start to really understand the value of that email list, you're more than happy to invest your time, energy, and some of your budget as well in order to grow that list rapidly. Mike Stelzner of Social Media Examiner has a list of well over 300,000. And he said, email is the most important channel for you to cultivate in your online business. And he's so, so right. Now you might be thinking, all right, these are great quotes from guys that have lists of well over 100,000. And you might be sitting there with a list of a few hundred or maybe a few thousand. And you might be thinking, I don't even compare. I'm not even in that world yet. Well, here's some good news. It really does start with the quality of your list. Once you master how to grow a quality list, then you can focus on the quantity as well. Now, my good friend, David Seitman Garland of the Rise to the Top, he has seen massive success even with a small list. When he was first starting out, he had a list of 500 people and he did a small product launch and generated $19,800 with just a list of 500 people. Amazing, right? And he continued to do that. He now has a larger list, of course, but that list is so quality. Whenever I do any kind of affiliation with David and we do a webinar, his list just gravitates so quickly toward any email he puts out there. I'm always astonished by the loyalty of his email list. And it's because he started with the quality of it. He built loyalty. He always shows his real personality in all of his emails. He's so genuine. He's super funny, a little bit quirky, and people love that. That's what they love about his emails. So letting your own personality shine through really goes a long way when we're talking about quality of your email list. So let's go ahead and jump into the first strategy because it directly relates to a lot of the things that David did to grow his email list slowly, but with quality. And that first strategy is to build remarkable content. Now, I don't mean valuable content that people want to share. I don't even mean great content that helps people and gives them tips and tricks and all that. That's all very important. However, by remarkable, I mean leaving your mark. And the way you do that 
is you ensure that you've niched your business enough to talk to a very specific audience about a very specific message. Now, here's the deal. The difference between great and remarkable often lies in niching yourself. If you try to talk to everyone all the time, no one is going to feel like you're talking to them. And a lot of us feel like we've niched ourselves. I mean, if you look at my business, I mainly teach about Facebook marketing, although my podcast, why I love it is I go beyond Facebook, but I'm known for Facebook marketing, which is a niche. And I usually attract coaches, consultants, service providers, entrepreneurs that are looking to build their business online. Now that's kind of niched, but what I've noticed is that it's not actually niched enough. And the reason that I like to teach this stuff is because I need to learn it as well. So I've been researching and diving in to this whole idea of niching just a little bit more. And so I want you to explore that as well, because here's what I've seen. This is actually for you specifically, not just for your audience. What I've seen is that there is a direct correlation between the actual niching yourself and the happiness in your business. Now, let me break that down a little bit. What I've seen over and over again is that the success stories of people that have niched themselves, they've actually bit the bullet and they said, okay, I need to get more specific with my audience and my message. What I've seen is that they are so much more excited about their business and creating the content just starts to flow out of them because when you're more specific, you know exactly what you want to say. When you're a little bit more general, you're trying to find a message that fits so many different types of people that it's just not as rich or valuable. And it's just not as exciting to create, to be honest. Can you see how that might work together? So again, there is truly a direct correlation to finding that perfect niche for your business and creating that business that you love. And that's why I'm so passionate about really pushing you and myself to make sure that we've niched our business enough that we're going to have an extremely powerful message that builds a quality list. Now, I bring this up because it's very personal to me as well. This year in 2015, I've hired a consultant to help me rebrand my business. It's been a long time since I've really focused on the branding. I mean, more than just headshots, but just bringing all the brand together in a cohesive way. And she's really pushed me to think about niching myself even more. I'm not exactly sure what that's going to look like. I have some ideas and I'm going to keep them secret till I really figure it out. But I do think that my business would excel even more if I thought about that niching in a way that really spoke to my audience as well as got me lit up as well. So here's the thing. I'm doing this rebranding because I know from my experience working with Tony Robbins that success leaves clues and many of my most successful peers are much more niched than I actually am. And that says something. I can't ignore that. And so I'm really paying attention to their messaging and their target audience and how they craft their content. And it's really fascinating to study somebody that is more niched than your own brand, because believe me, you learn a lot. And if you're anything like me, it's going to start sparking some creativity in you and you're going to want a little bit more of what they have. I can promise you that. I don't mean compare your business to somebody else's. I'm talking about content here. And you'll see that those people that are more niched than you are tend to have really remarkable content. 
So just start exploring a little bit and see how that feels to you. And this might be something you want to explore even more. Now, a few quick tips to help you create remarkable content inside your emails as well. So when I talk about remarkable content, I'm talking about content that you're using everywhere inside your emails, but also social media and in your interviews and on stage and all that good stuff. But when we're talking about your email communication specifically, one of the ways that you create remarkable content, that means you leave your mark. You're actually getting people to want to open your emails. You're building that loyal following and people are just eating up everything you're putting out there. Well, one thing that you want to do is make sure that you bring your personality to every email. And so if you're silly, you want to bring that to your emails. If you're really witty, make sure that that shines through. You want your personality, all those little quirks about you that make you unique to shine through in your email content. That's one way to really speak to your perfect audience in a genuine way that you are excited about. Also, use stories as much as you can. When you're telling a story and you've niched yourself to a really perfect target audience, those stories will resonate even more. So if you're telling stories about, you know, here's what I did in this situation, or here's what one of my customers did in order to move past this challenge, those stories are going to land even deeper with your ideal audience because they see themselves in those stories instantly. When you're less niched and you tell stories, it's a little bit harder for your big target audience to find themselves in those stories. But when you're more niched, they'll find themselves instantly. So just stuff to think about in terms of how you're crafting the content inside your emails. Okay, so now we are going to move on to strategy number two, which is understand the opportunities and limitations of your email service provider. So just to make sure we're on the same page, by email service provider, I mean the company you use to manage all your new opt-ins, all your new leads, and the company you're using to send out all of your emails to stay within those guidelines that we all need to stay within in terms of sending out emails to massive list. So some of the most popular options are Aweber, MailChimp, and Infusionsoft, but there's a whole lot of others as well. Now, before I get into the specifics of this strategy, I want to give you a little pop quiz to see how well you know your own email service provider. I know pop quizzes are never fun, but if you fail, no one's even going to know. Just give yourself an A plus. So I've got four or five questions for you. So question number one, does your email service provider require a double opt-in from your new leads or do you have the choice for single opt-in? That's question number one. Question number two, Are you able to easily do A-B split testing with your emails? Number three, can you manually import a customer list and mail to that list instantly? Number four, are you able to send out time-based email autoresponders? And number five, are you able to send out a new autoresponder sequence based on a specific action somebody took in an email that you sent? So here's the deal. Now, you might have just aced that test. You knew everything about your email service provider and you, my friend, deserve a little happy dance because some of those questions are not so easy. So some of you might be a little unsure of some of those questions. And don't worry, you're not alone. I'm going to guess that most people listening got hung up on maybe one or two at least. Here's the deal. A lot of people sign up for mass email services like Aweber 
and never take the time to really fully optimize their experience. I've seen people sign up for the service and assume they'll figure it out. And invariably, they get held up in the process every time they try to email their list. And it takes five times as long as it should. And it becomes such a negative experience. They're not even excited about emailing their list. Or I've seen a lot of my customers just do the basics. Yes, I can send out an email broadcast. That's all I do. Or yes, I figured out how to create a newsletter template. So I'm just sending out newsletter templates. And that's definitely not what you want to do. You don't want to limit yourself like that. So here's the deal. I've been there too. When I first signed up with Infusionsoft, which is the email service provider I use today, I was really in over my head. It was very confusing. And usually the email service providers that are more robust, the ones that include shopping carts and affiliate programs and all these other options, they definitely are more confusing. But I could not let that hold me down. Because the thing is, I left a Weber to go to Infusionsoft because there were things that I wanted to create in my business that I couldn't do with Aweber. I was just limited. And that meant that I was stifling my creativity and my ability to make more money. So that's when I knew when I started to feel the pain, that's when I knew it was time for me to switch over to a bigger email service provider with more opportunities. I wish I had done it about a year earlier than I did, but hindsight's 2020, right? So here's the deal. If you have an email service provider that you're happy with, but you just don't really know the ins and outs, I want you to make an effort to go learn more. A lot of them have Facebook groups with all of their users so you can readily ask questions and learn more. Many of them have great tutorial videos that you actually can just sit there and just go through them, book some time in your calendar, but go over the ins and outs of your email service provider so you really understand what you can do with it. You might be pleasantly surprised that you can do a whole lot more with the company you're already using and you've been thinking all along you needed to upgrade. You might already be in the perfect email service provider, but you just don't know it. Also, if you have an idea in mind that you want to try, but you can't figure it out on your own, take advantage of the provider's support desk. Get on the phone with them. Tell them exactly what you're trying to do. Ask them if they can help you figure out how it's done. And if they can, wonderful. If they tell you that can't be done, maybe it's time to start looking for a better system. So don't let the email service provider's limitations limit your business. Now, of course, price is a factor as well, and they really range from free to a couple hundred dollars a month, and you've got to factor that in as well, but there's more factors to include as well. The more educated you are about how it works, the more innovative and strategic ways you'll come up with to make your business operate on all cylinders. So there's a way to take things to the next level and it's understanding your email service provider. Now, one way for me to help you is that cheat sheet I mentioned in the introduction of this episode. So I've created a special free download, a cheat sheet that will show you the opportunities and limitations of some of the most popular email service providers. So as a reminder, you can download it for free at amyporterfield.com forward slash 42 download or because I've got the brand spanking new text feature, you can text 42 download, just the number 42 in the word download, but all one word, 42 download to 38470. That's 38470. 
and I'll send you that download right away. Now let's move on to the final strategy, strategy number three, and that is to create multiple lead opportunities. And by lead opportunities, I mean content as well as placement of opt-ins where people can give you their name and email. So we're talking about two different things here. So this third strategy is two parts. I want you to consider creating multiple lead magnets as well as creating multiple placement opportunities for your audience to find you, sign up for your lead magnet and join your email list. So first I want to talk to you about multiple lead magnets. I want to encourage you to create more than just one lead magnet. Now, if you don't even have one lead magnet that's converting for you right now, I only want you to focus on one. But once you get that lead magnet that's converting for you, it's time to explore new opportunities. I think everybody with an online business should have at least three lead magnets running at any given time. Again, be patient with yourself. If you don't even have one yet, you're going to focus on one at a time. But if you have one, I want you to start expanding from there. Now, here's the deal. No matter how niche your audience is, you're going to appeal to more people within that niche if you offer a diverse array of valuables. So what I mean by that is some people prefer a webinar. Others just want a cheat sheet PDF. Others want a full-on report that walks them through step-by-step how to do something. We all respond to different modalities, and it's important that you make sure you have those opportunities for your target audience. So it could be the same content in a webinar as you put into a PDF, or it could be two different topics altogether. So with that, you just really want to do what works best for your business and your audience. So here's what I've done. I've actually created lead magnets for different platforms. So as I mentioned, I have a downloadable lead magnet. I actually have a few. I have the different cheat sheets and guides for each of the podcast episodes that are coming out moving forward. But I also have a tools guide that I use for different things. And I have a few more cheat sheets out there just in different places. So you might find one cheat sheet on my Facebook page that I talk about and another one on Twitter. So I usually experiment with different PDFs because they're easier to create to see what resonates most with my audience. And then I run Facebook ads with a free webinar lead magnet. And I also have a mini video series lead magnet on my website in that feature box across the top. So at any given time, I probably have four or five different lead magnets out there. And this is one way that I rapidly grow my email list. Just having one isn't enough if you want to see that email list grow rapidly. Also, you learn a lot about your audience. So if you really start to use your email service provider to track and tag the different leads that come in and where they've come in from, that's really valuable because then you can see which platform, like is Facebook converting more leads for you or Twitter or is it Pinterest or Instagram? So you can really track that inside your email service provider, and then you can track which PDF is converting the best. So even if you're not running ads, you can still track this information to see what your audience is responding to the most. So multiple lead magnets is important when you're ready for that in your business. Now, one more word on lead magnets. One common mistake I see many people make with their lead magnets is forgetting that one of the main goals of a lead magnet is to lead your new prospect into becoming a paying customer. So you do this by creating a lead magnet with your profit path in mind. 
Now, your profit path is simply how you plan to generate revenue in your business. So I want you to consider how your lead magnet is aligned with your overall profit path. Now, as a side note, it's okay if you're not ready to sell. If you're in a place in your business where you're just building up your email list, you're building up your online presence, but you're not ready to launch, let's say, a program or a product, that's fine. It's still extremely important that you create your lead magnet to start building your list. So don't make the mistake of thinking you have to be ready to sell in order to launch your lead magnet. Now, if you're ready to sell or if you're already selling, then that's when you want to start to think about the lead magnet being aligned with your profit path. Think about your end game. Is your lead magnet aligned with what you plan to sell? Here's a great way to think about it. What does your ideal audience need to understand, be aware of, or believe in order to want or need your product, program, or service? Use your lead magnet content to make sure your audience truly understands the value of your offer. Where most people fail with a lead magnet is they create it with the idea of only offering immense value. Now you think that's important and it is, but it's not the only thing to focus on. Here's something to consider. A well-designed lead magnet not only offers value, but also leads your prospect to a buying decision. If you're selling online programs or products, let me give you an example. Let's say you're a health and fitness coach and your business is all about helping people lose weight. If your paid program is a 10-day meal plan to detox from sugar, a great lead magnet might be 10 tips to beat sugar cravings. The two are aligned, and with a lead magnet like that, you're going to attract the perfect audience that would be genuinely interested in what you have to sell. So you want to make sure that there's that correlation, and you're not just offering immense value with your lead magnet with no intention of aligning it with what you plan to sell either right away or down the road. Okay, so switching gears slightly, now let's look at the strategic placement of your email opt-in form. So there are six places that I think you must create opt-in opportunities for your audience. Let me break those down for you quickly. The first place I think you should have an opt-in box is the feature box across the top of your website. So you can see mine at amyporterfield.com. It's that big box that's really well-designed. It's a great representation of your brand across the top of the homepage of your website. Feature boxes work like gangbusters. So I want to encourage you to implement that into your website. It's a great place to have an opt-in box. The next option is, is one that most of us are familiar with, the sidebar. So the right column of your website in that sidebar, you definitely want an opt-in opportunity. Now, the next one is inside your blog content. So inside your blog, where you're talking about different opportunities and different tips and tricks and whatever you're teaching in your blog, you might want to talk about a free PDF you have or a free webinar. And so you can actually hyperlink a word. And then when they click the word, a box appears where they can enter their name and email to sign up for your free giveaway. So I use lead boxes for something like this. Lead pages has a feature called lead boxes that allows you to do just that. Now, in addition, I think that a great place to put an opt-in box is at the end of a blog post. So after you have their full attention and if they've read to the very end, they are a hot lead for you. So create an opportunity with an opt-in box at the end of a blog post of something related to what you just talked about where they can opt in and get something of great value from you. And so the number five position 
is the pop-up box. Now I want you to rethink pop-up boxes because you might've just cringed when I said that. Here's the deal. Pop-up boxes definitely get a lot of bad press, but the thing is they're really, really effective. So don't let bad press deter you from trying a pop-up box because you're going to be amazed. I mentioned Social Media Examiner earlier, and between January 2011 and January 2013, the site's email list grew by 375% to over 190,000 readers. Founder Mike Stelzner attributes nearly 70% of signups to the site's pop-up box on their website. Crazy, right? 375% growth. Pop-up boxes definitely work, especially if you are cultivating a quality audience. If your audience really feels loyal to you, they're not going to be annoyed by a quick box that appears on the website. It's all about that quality audience. Now, here's another example from renowned blogger and author Chris Penn. He actually took his pop-up box down from his website and he said his subscriptions fell off a cliff. Those are his words. Within weeks, he replaced it and started running a new series of pop-up boxes and definitely saw an increase in his opt-ins. Pop-ups are infinitely customizable these days. You can do so much with them. You can design them to look the way you want them to look, appear when you want them appear, and to not appear when you do not want them to appear. What I love is to have them appear within minutes of someone being on the site, but then the next time they come to the site, they won't see the pop-up box again. Usually I say every 15 or 30 days, they'll see the pop-up box appear, but not every single time they come to the site. So that's something to think about. Also, make sure your pop-up box is mobile friendly. I used to have a pop-up box that wasn't. And so when people would look at my website from their iPhone, a big pop-up box would appear within minutes and they couldn't get it to come down. And that's super annoying. So be really careful about that but definitely I want you to test out pop-up boxes. One of my favorite tools is optinmonster.com. Optinmonster.com allows you to customize it and do all the different timing features I mentioned. And it's a really great company. And so I definitely encourage you to check out optinmonster.com. Okay, the final place that I want you to put an opt-in box is on your about page. You might be surprised to hear that your about page is one of the most popular pages on your site. Do a little Google Analytics research and you'll see that that's likely true. If you're not including a few email signup opportunities on your about page, you're likely losing some great traffic. Again, Leadboxes is a great option for implementing or embedding an opt-in opportunity inside the text on your about page. Now you might be thinking, holy cow, that's a lot of places that I'm putting the opt-in box on my website, but I want you to be more open-minded and get a little bit more aggressive in terms of your list building opportunities, because if your content is remarkable, if you've built a quality, quality audience that are eager to hear from you, then they're going to be eager to sign up as well. And if they've already signed up, they'll just ignore the opt-in opportunities because they're good to go. So don't think that you're bothering somebody with an opt-in box. The only one that could bother a bit is the pop-up box, but I still want you to test it out to see if it actually does convert for you. But all the others are very subtle and it's just, if you want to click, great, click and sign up. Also, you might be wondering, are you supposed to have the same opt-in or lead magnet for all of those different placements? 
and I would definitely mix it up. So for example, on my feature box across the top of my website, I have a free mini series about social media and list building. But inside my about page, I'll have one about tools, a PDF of all the tools I use online. And then in the right sidebar, I have an opportunity to sign up for a webinar. So I definitely have a lot of different opportunities in the placements. Some of them are repeats, but most of them are new opportunities. This is not something you can do overnight. It takes a little bit of time to build up on your lead magnet opportunities, but it's definitely worth the effort. So I want you to check it out. So there you have it. I've shared these three online marketing strategies to help you build your list building foundation so that I can help you take some of the stress and overwhelm out of building your online business. Because after all, that's what this whole podcast is about, making your online marketing easy and intuitive and most importantly, more effective. So after investing a few days in actually building out your infrastructure, my hope is that you'll start to see new ways that you can attract your perfect audience to your email list. Now, this podcast is not just about teaching you new strategies so you can think, oh, that's interesting, that sounds good. My goal is for you to actually see results. So I need your help on that. I want to encourage you to take action within the next 48 hours on one small thing that you've learned today. So it might be adding a lead box to your about page or it might be outlining a new lead magnet that you've been thinking about for a while. Whatever it is, I want you to mark your calendar and commit to taking action on it within the next 48 hours. And then come over to my Facebook page and let me know how it's going. I'm at facebook.com forward slash Amy Porterfield. And I would love, love, love to hear about how you've implemented any strategy that you've learned from the podcast. So all the websites and resources I mentioned in this episode can be found in my show notes at amyporterfield.com forward slash 42, just the number 42. So go on over there to grab all the little extras I talked about. Thank you so much for being with me here today. I'm thrilled that I got to spend this time with you and I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com. 